I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Yes, yes, it is spooky season. It, it is, is spooky. Our, Woo! It's That's our my favorite ghost time of year. It's the most yep. wonderful time of the year. Uh, okay, don't, but, don't do that. We're going to get complaints from Chris, people who are Christmas fans. So Hey, it's, uh, it, it works for both. It works for both. But, I don't uh, know about that. Uh, okay. but, oh, my gosh. We've been crazy you know, with, with Halloween and all the spookiness. It is the month. It is the month of all months. You know what, uh, Mark? I'm going to have people create a, an Aerie Travels drinking game every time you say, oh, my gosh. And every time I say, no, nope, people have to do shots. So okay. they're going to be drunk every episode. By, every by, episode. By, by a minute in. By a minute in. So, <laughs> uh, But today, I am super excited because we have a guest. Well, well, before you go on your guest, you need to let everybody know you're going to be at BartoCon in Bartow, oh, yes. Florida. Yeah, uh, October 14th. The, yes. That- that Saturday, uh, the wonderful people who do Sci-Fi Bartow, Sean and Lori, they are doing their first ever indoor con called Bartow Con, and they've got uh, Robin Curtis from Star Trek. Uh, they're trying, you know, they're they've they've done Sci-Fi Bartow is like one of my favorite events, and this is their branching out. So I am all in. I'll be there for the inaugural one. Can't wait to see what they have coming. So by going to Bartow. We get to go by one of my favorite places in the world and see one of my favorite people in the world. And that is our special guest today. And yes. I am so honored to know this lovely person. And uh, they are the amazing and wonderful. Well, you know what? Let's let them introduce themselves. So come on aboard, Krislin, and tell us about yourself. Hi. Um, so my name is Krislin. I run the Wonder House down in uh, Bartow, Florida. I'm originally from Europe, but I've always been very much into uh, spooky things. So I guess Halloween for me is more of a lifestyle than a holiday. So I'm super excited that you guys would have me on for this particular episode because I've been in the throes of setting up for Halloween tours for the Wonder House. So for the past two weeks, I've been setting stuff up and I'm really excited because tours launch on October 1st. So the clock is ticking and I'm a little stressed, but it'll be awesome. Okay, so I have to go back a tick. I'm infamous for going back a tick right yeah what in the hell is the wonder house because it sounds like sort of in like an amusement park for kids and i am distinctly under the impression that is not the case so going back chrislyn what is the wonder house so the wonder house is actually one of florida's earlier tourist attractions so back in 1877 a gentleman named conrad Chuck was born in uh, pittsburgh pennsylvania and he was the eldest of seven children, born very, very poor. He only had a fourth grade education. However, he was very crafty. He was very intelligent. And he ended up actually uh, patenting the uh, mass manufacturing system of the modern cinder block. Fun fact. And he came down to Florida in 1926 and acquired uh, property down here in Bartow, about uh, 14 acres. And ended up creating what he would consider to be his dream home. However, in 1990. 1999 sure okay Kristen. um 1929 um when everything collapsed he lost all his money that he had invested in the land and uh he actually opened the house up for tours so the reason it's called the wonder house it's kind of like a, a smart house of the 1920s 
So he had air conditioning using a geothermal system of water running through the walls, keeping the house about seven degrees cooler. And in, in addition to that, you could actually use that same recycled water to irrigate all your plants on the outside. He had a laundry chute system. He had closets. Nobody had closets in the 1920s. So he was very, very, very much ahead of his time. And it was a very popular tourist destination from 1934 until about the 1940s, early 50s. It was finally closed in 1963 when the owner decided to basically sell the property. But basically, it's just one of Florida's like roadside attractions from back in the day. That's that makes sense. Um. So what made you decide to get involved with it at all? Like what made you decide to go on this journey of restoring this house? So back in 2015, my ex-partner and I, we saw it um, on Google Maps actually and decided to go check it out back in the day and to explore it a little bit and then ended up actually buying the house at auction in September of that particular year. Um, we at that point went through the process of trying to purchase it closed on in uh, November of 2015 and uh, pretty much turned it back into a museum on a partial basis. So that way people can come through and they can enjoy the house as it currently stands and then aid in the restoration process by taking a tourist. Wow. That's, I mean, that's neat. So you're restoring it. Are you restoring it to like the water in the walls, like all of that stuff? Are you putting back everything he had had or what is the plan there well I mean it's just me working on it right now so it's incredibly difficult because I do work um a full-time job and uh two side jobs or part-time jobs basically uh don't know that I can get that water running back through the walls because that's kind of disintegrated in so many ways because this was pride of stainless steel everything's kind of rusted away so that water does not work the way you want it to <laughs> <laughs> Some of the previous owners cemented in some of the things and and basically had no yes. interest in restoring it. They were just living in it and, and converting it to the way they wanted it to be. Correct. And they tried to modernize it so much. And that was kind of the issue is undoing a lot of what they did and then kind of putting back some of those like inventions. But it's it's very difficult because despite the fact that Conrad had no formal education, there are some things that I cannot figure out because there are no blueprints to the house. They were created 11 years after and there's only one surviving one. I don't know where the rest of them are. And the original sketches do not look like what the house was actually built as. So there's not a whole lot of reference points to yeah. look at. There are almost no photographs of the interior of the home. And I'm very close with the original family that built the house. So it's been a, it's been a challenge in some regards. I was actually just working on um, one of the bathrooms where there's a sunken tub so prior to, you know, CCTV, Conrad actually had a system of mirrors all throughout the house. So you could always see the front door. So I was just moving a bunch of things in a bathroom where there's a sunken tub and you could stand in there and you could look down through a system of mirrors to see who was at the front door. And so kind of like how we have ring cameras today, you can always see the front door. He had a system of mirrors in the kitchen and the bathroom and the dining room all throughout the house. You could always see who was coming to take a tour at the front door one of the many amazing things in this house so so let's let's talk a little bit about is you're getting this house it's already open for tours and stuff but you're doing something because of halloween and is, is this house haunted i i leave that open for interpretation <laughs> so, mark, um, mark do you think this house well, is haunted? <laughs> well i i think chrislin when i first started looking into this house because I was writing about it for uh, Freaky Florida, and um, I hadn't met Chrislyn yet, 
And uh, I had just heard that the house had been purchased and was being restored. So this was about the same year, 2015. Um, and I had heard all these stories, these ghostly stories of kids who walked by the house and, you know, it had been abandoned for some time. So, you know, of course, there's the stories of the haunted house, you know, in Bartow. And and it, it is an impressive, you know, building. You know, it, it's just, it's so unique. And they would walk by those gated rows or they would sneak onto the property and then be chased off by a spirit or something like that. And when I finally talked to Krizlin, I think one of the things you, you said at the time, you were very disappointed because there wasn't a ghost. But now that you guys have been doing all this re rebuilding and then bringing in all these artifacts from all over the world, I mean, you have a, an amazing collection, but let's, let's, but I think now you've brought some stuff in, right? There are a lot of objects inside the house. However, not all of them have things connected to it. And again, I always leave it open because I'm very, I'm very particular because I've always been very much a spiritual person and I'm very sensitive to things. So because I'm sensitive does not mean everybody else around me is. And I don't know if they can see here and feel it necessarily. So I don't ever advertise that the house being haunted because what I feel and see in here is not what somebody else on a tour might. So I can't guarantee that you'll see or, you know, feel anything. But I guess uh, maybe on a new or full moon in my backyard, you might see some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you encountered stuff? I mean, here's the thing. Like, we actually, it's so funny because um, we're coming out of uh, doing listener tales a couple episodes ago. And people, you know, questions and they ask us, honestly, because a lot of people have been told they're crazy for their things that they've seen and stuff like, like, I, I feel that there's um, by nature, people want to shut down what people have experienced. Right. And so, you know, looking at it and going, you know, everybody needs to form their opinion. And then, you know, Mark is another purveyor of bringing home haunted objects for no other reason than I think to piss off his, his, children is actually what i i think it's just like a long-running gag to piss off his children and to make it so when eventually he passes on they have to go through all this stuff in the house that's what i think is going to eventually uh, to avoid empty nest syndrome <laughs> I, I don't i don't like being alone in the house so i have to have these things to you know that bring their attachment so i have someone to talk to yeah no it's anyway terrifying to be at his house but um, have you, uh, Lynn, experienced stuff yourself with the, the house? I've experienced a lot of things and I've always experienced things just throughout my entire life. And that's the thing is it's incredibly personal. So there's some things that I'm willing to disclose and some things that I'm just not willing to disclose. And it just entirely depends on how open some people are. Because there's some people that will exactly look at you like, oh, my God, you're absolutely insane. Like that never happened. How could you even say that? How can you speak that into existence? But there's some things that I'm like, it happened at 430 in the afternoon. I looked outside. I saw Conrad Shook, the man who built the house in full color. And very rarely have I seen any kind of uh, apparitions in full color. Typically, it's like shadows, black and white, kind of grayscale. Um, but I saw Conrad just standing outside wearing his overalls and a red flannel shirt just out by the fountain this was 4 30 in the afternoon because i'd gotten home from work i let my dog out and i was setting up for christmas and i just looked to the left i see him standing there a blank he's gone and i was like well biscuits what the heck am i losing my darn mind now 
<laughs> but um, I've also, I've heard him singing in the house. So last year I went through a pretty heavy um, life change, unfortunately. Yeah. And it was really, really tough on me. It was emotionally, mentally, and physically a taxing time. But Conrad, the man who built the house, I would hear him constantly and it would just be in the afternoon. I would hear somebody singing. And I mean, my dog, Joan of Bark, can't sing like that. So I, I thought it was Joan. just kind of strange, but it was also, Joan is the best. Yes. But um, I would hear a, like an older gentleman's voice, like singing. And people are always like, aren't you ever freaked out? I'm like, I'm only afraid of real people, darling. Like, I'm not afraid mm -hmm. of spirits. Yep. <laughs> And that, that is one thing we should point out, things. travelers. This is a private residence. So if you Google that up, you know, only go for proper tour times uh, and, you know, and book ahead because, you know, you might, inter you might interact with some other spirit, you know, like, like the second amendment and, and then you'll be a spirit. Get off my lawn. <laughs> I know when you first bought it, you guys had some issues with that where, you know, People were coming up and trying to sneak into the house. It's like, wait, we're 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 watching Netflix. No. <laughs> yeah. It was such a struggle back in the day. And I mean, knock on wood, it's been, you know, quiet. But now that I've said that, I've spoken into existence, right? I always try to let people know, like, hey, listen, it's a private residence. Just be respectful. I mean, I open up my front gate for Halloween. I pass out candy. That's the closest, you know, the general public gets without booking a tour. But that's the thing is like, it's, it's my full-time home. So it's very difficult because when you run something, you have to keep it entirely managed because most people that see it assume that it's out in like a field or in the middle of nowhere. However, you're in the middle of a suburban neighborhood. That's yeah. not quite the case. So you just got to be respectful and kind. And if people are interested, they're always welcome to book a tour or send me a message online. Always happy to answer, you know, questions about the house. So for Halloween, are you um, doing a haunted house type situation? What are you doing for Halloween with this amazing? I can't wait to go see this house. And yes, I will go inside of it, Mark. I know you yeah. and listeners are like, Eric would never go inside this house. But I will. It sounds amazing. It will be during the daytime. Thank you. Please and thank you. I don't mind a 430. <laughs> I don't mind a singing ghost. I'm all about those kind of things. Oh, I think, I think you're going to love the sub-basement. Erica, that's all for you. So what? What? Whoa. Oh, it is. <laughs> what the hell is the sub basement? So you know, Florida, not many basements because you you dig down about six feet, you hit the watershed. You dig down a little more, you're just in limestone, and then and then the next thing you know, you're in the ocean water. You know, it's not you. You can't build basements, but Conrad, he had no qualms about digging a basement. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that sounds terrifying and then there's the sub basement right right Krizlin yep there's the sub sub basement yeah well I'm gonna nerd out on y'all like yes please that's please, what we're here please, for please nerd away right off, we're right off the lake whale bridge out here in um, Bartow but the interesting thing is so because Florida is a karst formation um basically so it's limestone with a bunch of sinkholes that's why we have the sinkholes we do because of the rainwater becomes acidic it makes holes and then down to um the Florida aquifer and that's where we get our fresh water here in Florida so in this particular area um back in the day we used to have something called Kissingen Spring so Bartow had its own spring in that particular area. I just learned the other I learned this week that Bartow has a couple other springs on private property. Oh. 
And I was like, how do I reach out to these people online and be like, hey, listen, I just want to go diving. Can I get some permission? But that's besides the point. I didn't know we had more than just the big one, which was Kissingen Spring. Unfortunately, due to the uh, the phosphate mining industry out here, they kind of overdid it. They sucked up the all the beautiful water from the aquifer and it dropped the level here. And actually in Bartow, a lot of people speculated that the moat out front and the house was fed by spring water. But that's actually not true. It was just runoff from rain basically because a lot of people said oh well the moat dried up out front where the bridges cross when Kissingen Spring ran dry and it wasn't the water stayed in the uh, moat for about gosh I don't know like about 80 years so it never it did dry up for a short period of time but it filled back up with all the rain and it stayed there for a good amount of time until the early 2000s at least so um but going back to like the Halloween tour portion of it so Halloween tours run through the entire month of October. It's the only time that I talk about the supernatural aspects of the home. I won't ever mention it unless it's the October tour, just because I want to keep all the tours different so people can ba- come back for different experiences. So I have daytime tours. I have a two o'clock tour. I have a four o'clock, a seven. And there's one I haven't released yet, but I will be. Um, I guess when this goes live, it'll be ready. There's I'm doing a ghost hunting tour. So I'll have EMF detectors and it'll be like 10 o'clock. And then you can kind of join me on a guided ghost hunt of the house. Again, I can't guarantee something's going to happen, No, but, but it's a totally different experience. So oh, we'll that's see what new happens. And exciting. But you'll see all four floors, all four floors. And you never get to see all four floors on no. a regular tour. So I think that'll be really cool. That's amazing. Oh, count me in. Count me in. I'm uh I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. So um, now you guys, I mean, you decorate the heck out of this thing. I mean, it is, it looks like I, you know, I've been to places like, you know, the Ringling Museum, the Biltmore Mansion, all these things. They do these amazing holiday displays, but you alone at the Wonder House put on a display that rivals them all. So, um, I mean, you've got Victorian caskets, you've got you know candles lit everywhere it's oh man it's just it's to die for wow so so, uh, what's what's uh what's on the agenda for this year anything new anything new so i'm turning the basement into a doctor's office um which will be really cool so i collect a lot of medical antiques i have my 1930s dentist set up so people donate all kinds of random stuff to me all the time and then I'll do basement more like doctor's office upstairs. I'll still have my Victorian funeral, but I'm going to step it up a notch this year. So every year I try to add a little bit more to it. And then the dining room, I'm going to do my, I like to call it a Disney's haunted mansion inspired <laughs> dining room where I want to, I use all my uranium glass to make it look like it's floating off the table. So all the skeletons are sitting around and, you know, everything is kind of levitating and just different things like that. It just takes a really, really, really long time. And, my friends always ask, like, hey, can I come and help? But my problem is I love talking. So I get so distracted and I just want to hang out instead. I'm like, oh my God, I fell behind an entire day because, well, shoot, I need yeah. to just shut up. <laughs> well, I, I do have a question. So if people donate stuff to you, kind of much like Mark's um, thing, is there anything that somebody's given to you that you've then gone, nope, like an Erica nope and gotten rid of it? Like, I'm not keeping this in my house. I have to turn down some donations because it'll be like larger pieces of furniture. 
it'll be like a set of chairs or like a dining room table. That's typically kind of the stuff that it is. I just don't have the space for it. And you would think that a house that's between eight to 10,000 square feet has a space. Fun fact, it really doesn't. The rooms are fairly small because every single room is uh, cornered by a porch. So it's not as big as people think because a lot of those spaces have been enclosed throughout the years. But there's not anything that anyone's ever donated where I've been like, no, because uh, most people know me pretty well. And they're like, hey, I found this squirrel. I put it in a jar for you. Or my neighbor's like, hey, Chrislyn, I killed the snake. Get a jar. And so I run over there in my, you know, barefoot with a jar, a salsa jar, nonetheless, that I didn't even take the label off it yet. I put oh, a snake in a jar, fill it with a, a high percent of rubbing alcohol and call it a dang day. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did I just sign myself up for? <laughs> oh there's so many dead things in jars there's so many bones i collect a lot of bones um i like to just wander in the woods one of my favorite activities like is i love paddle boarding and i love diving so i just go out there on my board and i go through the swamp and i'll pick up just random bones and feathers and things that i find in the woods i'll just go barefoot too gotta be a true florida man here yeah mm -hmm. no, super brave which okay you say that and i have to say this is a story i mean we're airing this um in a couple weeks so it'll be but literally did you see that story see i can't even think about paddle boarding and stuff in florida because there is a gator this was on cnn yesterday where a gator was dragging around a dead human body in its mouth yeah and a neighbor yeah. saw it and was like called the police because they were like uh that's a that's a human body and they don't know where the body came from uh no, city uh, St. Pete. It was Saint off Pete. of Omerton in a, one of the little waterways. This huh. guy next to two schools saw this, uh, I think it's like an eight or something foot gator. It was a pretty big gator. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, he was he saw something in its mouth and he was like, oh, is that a mannequin? And then he got closer to it and he was like, that's not a mannequin. And he had to call the police. So they, they, they humanely put down the gator. I don't know what that means, but they killed it. But they, they don't know what this happened. There's no humane way to kill gators, unfortunately. No. Um, I follow a lot of like Florida Springs information online. Yeah. They they just ax them basically. It's really yeah. unfortunate because there was one out in um Oak Helen National Forest out of Alexander, and it didn't do anything wrong. The gentleman was in the wrong for going into like the swampier, murky areas where the gator was known to be nesting during nesting season and she oh, slipped man. at them and what yeah. they do is they get rid of them and by getting rid of you know they they kill them and it's really sad and there's different organizations here in florida where they'll try to take the gator in and they'll keep it in um, basically a sanctuary but it's like usually the gators do not go after people i've been around so many gators they're right next to my paddleboard they don't care no they if don't you don't bother them people. they're not going to bother I mean, you yeah well exactly. i think I'm going to say fine. I think that's true and not true because there have been so many cases of like people going into the waters and stuff like that and then getting taken down. I think they it depends. It depends on if they have a good food source and things like that because we're we're not above gators on the um uh you know like yeah. scale. Like they, humans yeah. are are food for gators and I don't we think love, we love our gators and yeah. you know Gary will uh Carrie will, you know, guard them to the, to her dying day as well. So, yeah, just leave them alone during mating season and don't play a trombone. Friends near. are all like, absolutely not, and they will paddle to the other side of the river. I'm like, exactly yeah, yeah, and don't don't play a trombone near them because that triggers them. So. So. 
Trombones trigger. Okay, that's I'm gonna. That's another on. episode. We got to go into a Gator episode at some point. We'll get somebody from Gatorland. We'll get Savannah from Gatorland, and <laughs> she can she can talk Gators for us one episode. So. That would be terrifying. But, uh, yeah. yeah now, now in that dining room, I recall you have a, a leftover from the Arcadia Opera House before it got destroyed by Hurricane Irma. Yes, oh. it is still there. So it's actually the Arcadia Opera House's um, piano, and found it in an antique store for I want to say two hundred bucks way way back in the day in like 2015 yeah that was 2015 that was even before the wonder house was even like a full-on consideration at that point in time so um i remember moving into moving the dang thing onto u-haul moving it to my ex's apartment at the time and then we moved it to the wonder house but we were like always told oh my god it's a haunted piano because you know it came out of the haunted Arcadia Opera House. Yes, yeah. It never played, not even once. Now I just make Joan play it, so I'll pick her up during the tour and I'll put her paws on the keys, and she'll <laughs> play you a beautiful song. And she hates it so much. She's like, "Mom, seriously," but it's never played a single darn thing. It's completely out of tune from being moved twice. When it was actually moved into the Wonder House, it was me, um, my ex partner, and then his friend. It broke every single board up a ramp in the back. It broke every single tile oh. in the hallway because it's so heavy. And this is exactly yeah. where it's going to stay in the room. It's there forever so now. Like, yeah, that is. Objects. It's there forever. <laughs> and are you still looking for a, a six-piece uranium glass set? Is that is that what you're looking for for your table? I'm, I'm always looking for uranium glass. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, it's really hard to find a six set or even like four like a good set of four that matches i think i've kind of had to give up and do more of an alice in wonderland-esque mismatched kind of version <laughs> because it's so difficult to find a match set yeah yeah for those who don't know uranium glass is very very hard to get and it's it is beautiful and it glows so amazing it's stuff. true there are some amazing collections i actually saw i can't believe you brought this up i saw a post the other day where somebody found um, it was like a punch bowl set, like at a flea market. They just, they found it and they're like, I think that's what this is. But of course they couldn't test it. So they bought it anyway and brought it home. And it was a complete punch bowl set of nice. um, uranium. Anyway. That's a treasure. That's a treasure. So I, I think we that's should take a quick break. Yep. And then we come back. We will talk more with Krizlin and the Wonder House. Eerie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What are those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. 
Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the US, Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. Okay, we're, we're back. back. Yes. Yeah, we said that in joining. Jinx. Yeah, you owe me, Um, I'd say you owe me a Coke, but I don't drink Coke. And yeah, so. neither do I. So, you know, it's you. You owe me a hot Long cider. Island iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, see, I'd love to see you drink a Long Island iced tea, Mark. I'd pay money for that, actually. <laughs> I'd be asleep okay. on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Two sips in. Okay. Yep, so, Chrislyn, let's talk paranormal stuff. Let's do it. I'm so sorry. So, where do you want to start? Um, so, there's just a lot of things that have happened in the house, but one of the stranger things that happened that I really wasn't expecting. So, last year, what was it, Hurricane Ian that came around at the end of September, yep. right? Um, that was my first hurricane in the house by myself. And I'm a very uh, practical person. I like to have all my stuff planned. So in the basement, I had a big old pile of you know, materials. So it's all my drills and my saws and extra pieces of plywood and the tarps and just buckets. Everything was ready because I'm like, all right, if anything happens, I'm ready to rock and roll. So I go upstairs and I let Joan out and we run around outside for as long as we possibly can. I take her inside and I just keep hoping. I'm like, oh my gosh, please, nothing happened to this house. Please, for the love of goodness, I cannot deal with it. This is, it's a lot. It was my first time being in a hurricane with the house. And it was very, very trippy because it was very spooky. Joan snored through the entire thing. Shocking. Um, <laughs> while I was running around solving 10,000 problems, like unplugging all the big uh, planters where all the water used to run down into and they would turn into like watering troughs and I had had to like uncork them and let all the water drain out. But so right before the hurricane started, I decided to be really silly, just kind of as like a coping mechanism, I guess, to go into the parlor. And what I did was uh, I put on, you know, my best quote unquote zombie apocalypse outfit. I got my shotgun, I got machete. And so I did like a silly photo shoot. So I'm a photographer, right? So I do all kinds of silly photo shoots. And I just thought it would be funny to do that. And I set it up. I set my phone on a little table and I take a bunch of photos. Joan's not in the room. She's already sleeping upstairs. And as I'm reviewing the photos, there's something in the corner of a photo. And I'm like, well, there was nothing on the floor. There is nothing on the floor. I don't own a cat or a chicken or whatever the heck that thing is in the photo. But sure enough, there's this bizarre apparition. And it's not an orb. It's like a full on figure. And the best way that my dad could describe it was, um, you know, Furbies from the late 1990s. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. those were terrifying. Yeah. It looks like a Furby, honestly. It was really, really strange. My dad's like, that's your childhood Furby coming back to haunt you, Chris. And I'm like, absolutely not. And yeah. it kind of almost looks like a bizarre gargoyle. I don't know how to describe it, but that was really spooky. Because I just did not anticipate that at all. Very, very, very strange. Um, there's been a lot of bizarre things that have happened in the house. I mean, 
I can speak for a lot of it, but even people that don't necessarily believe in the paranormal have had experiences. So when my ex-partner, I think, was watching television just downstairs by himself, I was somewhere upstairs. He thought that I came down the stairs and to the first floor, which is more of like an open space, and walked and just stood in the doorway. I'm pretty derpy and silly, so I do stupid stuff like that all the time. So he thought it was me coming down the stairs and standing in the doorway, the archway. And the darkness and he's like Kristen what the heck are you doing he blinks and then it's not me nobody's oh. there and he's like what the heck and he did not believe in this stuff he still does not believe in this stuff yeah, and course. he hollers for me upstairs he like comes upstairs he's like Kristen I need you to come down here right now I was like what okay so I go down the stairs and he's like okay I need you to tell me if you feel something because he knows that I'm sensitive so I go down the stairs I cross that pathway and I'm like, um, there's somebody standing right here. And he's like, yeah, no, I thought that was you. I was like, well, I've been sewing upstairs. Like I never came down. Like I'm like elbows deep in fabric right now. Like, no, absolutely not. And he's like, well, somebody came down the stairs and stared at me from the darkness. And he's one of those people that does not believe in anything. He was creeped out to no end. Um, there's been times where I've heard footsteps coming up the stairs, like in the middle of the night and rattled doorknobs. There's times where I've heard voices outside the bathroom. There's times where the lights have just flickered um, just incessantly and they're brand new bulbs. I'm like, okay, can you, can you leave now? And it's really funny because it hasn't happened in such a long time. And there's just little bizarre, peculiar things that happen, but I delve into a lot of the stories you know, during the tour, my personal favorites are the ones where, uh, I don't know if it's the house or something. So my ex-partner's mom, um, was never a fan of the wonder house and she would come for his birthday in April and she would come during the holidays. I was never home. I was usually working at school. I was down in Fort Myers visiting my family. So the house did not like his mother. Um, because she was very negative about it. So they went out for dinner one night. I was down, in Fort Myers visiting my family because it was the holidays having dinner with them when they got back to the house because everyone would assume that I would just lock her out because you know issues um <laughs> instead locked her out uh with the deadbolts we never used the deadbolts we used the regular doorknob you know mechanism and sure enough it happened every single year the house would lock her out and then one year the house took it a little bit further where um, I was at work, so I got an alibi about 140 kids. Uh, <laughs> they were home in the middle of the day. She was walking down the stairs, and she fell and, like, busted her arm mm. as if she had, like, slid on butter. And they had to take her to the hospital. And I remember getting a text message from him at the time saying, you are so lucky you have an alibi right now. Because everyone thinks that you just slick that whole dang staircase, Chris. And I'm like, <laughs> no. And it's, I think the house was like, you know what? I'm going to push you down the stairs because I'm tired of your attitude. That she was so friendly. She was always so negative during the holidays too. And I think the house got so fed up. It was like, you know what? No, we're done. <laughs> My gosh. Hey, meds are a wonderful thing. So, you know, they, you know, they, they make everybody tolerable. Uh, yeah, but, um, <laughs> I, I, no, I, uh, my experience, we were there with a bunch of YouTube vloggers, uh, last, last Halloween, I was right, you know, early, early days for the tour. 
and we got a little sneak preview and we were all there in the house and I, I had been in many times. So, you know, Chrislin's running the tour and showing everybody and I'm sitting next to uh, our, our good friend, Johnny Bronto from haunt scene. And uh, he and I were, you know, he was filming and we were talking and, and then you were going on, you know, talking about the, the ceiling in the, the main parlor in the, the main room and how it used to change out with different paintings for different holidays and stuff. Uh, sadly, those are lost to antiquity. So if anybody in Bartow has access to those and would like to give them back to Krizlin, she would be very happy and you could restore them to the Wonder House. I'm sure they're sitting on some bathroom somewhere. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> we were sitting there and we were looking at it and I'm just looking up at the ceiling and he's standing right next to me and we hear just this, this um, kind of uh, wistful... Uh, you know, sigh next to us and I looked at him and he looked at me and we were both like wait a minute that wasn't me that wasn't you you know and, and, and we're both trying we're about to say something but then we're moving on to the next room and we both just kind of looked at each other and went okay okay and I'm like oh the house is letting us know that we're uh yeah we're here so you know that it that it's here so yeah no that's that's I'm regretting volunteering to go to this late. No backseat. So I I can't no taking backseats. <laughs> no no backseats. What oh Chrislin, you take from this house. What about do you mind going backwards a little bit in time? We're gonna Scooby do this to your parent. What made you even think like because if you're putting dead things in jars? Wow, I can't believe like things I. I guess things I hoped I could say on this podcast, but never was sure that I would. Uh, uh, what what started your paranormal journey? Like that you, because I can tell how much you really love this stuff. I think it's great. And to put the love and attention into this house. I mean, that we see all these little videos about rest, restoring things, but that takes a lot of work and a lot of intention to do these things. And you have to have a love for it because otherwise it's not going to go well. Where does this love for the paranormal come from? So um, if I have to backtrack all the way back, um, so I was born in the Soviet Union and the apartment building complex that I grew up in, um, it used to be old army barracks from World War II. And my parents would always tell me how I would mention things to them growing up. So I was about three, four, five years old at, when we were living at that particular uh, location. And I would say, the doorknobs are watching me. My parents would be like, oh my God, what is wrong with this kid? Jesus. <laughs> and there are so many things that I'm like, there's something wrong here. There's something inherently wrong. It's watching me. And my, and my parents would get creeped out. They're like, what the heck is wrong with this kid? But, um, I've always seen things and felt things. So when we moved to the United States, um, I was five years old and, it doesn't matter like the places I've lived in. I've always seen and felt things growing up. I was obsessed with horror survival video games in elementary school. So like Silent Hill, Resident Evil, Parasite Eve. I loved all of those things. Yeah. And they left kind of a lasting impact. But growing up, I had like, I had three major kind of goals for myself. I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to restore a historic house and I wanted to live in a museum. So I can knock two of those off the list. Yeah. Never did the whole archaeology thing yet going to art school but you know it is what it is I get to kind of do it on this side in a way I go through a lot of the woods and dig for things and 
I would love to get a drone so I could hunt further into the woods without needing um, to actually go in them. But we'll see how that goes. I, I wish I had a counter on my Google Maps, like for satellite, just to see how long I spend just tracing rivers and the tracing like paths oh, through yeah. the woods, just to find things that are out there. But I've always had an interest in the paranormal because I've always felt, seen, and kind of heard things. So it's always been kind of a lifelong journey. I don't know what the best word for that is, but yeah. It is a good word for that. No, I think it is. You know, I I think it's, it's first of all, that sounds very interesting growing up like that. Because that's something me and Mark talk about a lot is that children tend to say, I know as a child, I saw things, you know. And my mom's rule was just like, don't say it in front of other people because they'll think you're crazy when you talk about the stuff you're seeing, right? So you could tell Ooh, I've done that before. And they were all like, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I, I and think it's it not in my favor. I warned them and nobody listened. And then it came true. And then I remember my dad coming to my room the next day. He was like, how did you know? I'm like, I told you. And he's like, but how did you know? I'm like, I literally told you the night before something was going to happen. Y'all didn't listen to me. And now here we are. I was in middle school. And that was the funniest moment of my life. Um, it was actually something really bad. I basically told them that somebody was going to get really, really hurt that night. And sure enough, the next day, um, a man ended up in the hospital with broken ribs and a broken arm. That was at my parents' house. Wow. To no fault of their own. And they were, yeah, they were all just very confused by why I said anything that I did. Because I remember them laughing it off. You know, adults having some glasses of wine and laughing at, you know, a 12-year-old kid just walking in the room and prophesizing someone's going to get jacked up. <laughs> it's like, what? Okay, sure. Well, and I think sometimes it's hard because it depends on the, you know, the details. Because a lot of times those kind of things, you don't have the exact specific, like, on the corner of 2nd Street and 38th Street at 10 p.m. Like, it's, you know, it's very hard to go, hey, you're going to be dating. But it's, I, I think it's interesting, you know, just that you can do that. <laughs> but after that, when you gave them information, did they listen to you? Things and sort of the premonition? Not really. Oh, still no. <laughs> still no. Still no. They see it as like silly or strange. I, it's because they don't understand it and they don't feel the same way. So it's kind of like a novelty to them. Cause we'll go somewhere. And my dad look at me like, is there something here? Does somebody die here? I'm like dad, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe no. he's feeling it and he just doesn't want to admit it. You know? So I know that was, that was my exactly. dad. Exactly. I'm like, come on dad. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's gonna, I believe in Bigfoot, but I don't believe in ghosts. What? Uh, yeah. 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 But, oh. uh, so now you also have a fun hobby on the side because uh, you do you do a lot of diving, but you you go it one step further. Uh, you 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 have done some uh, charity work with uh, a mermaid tail. Am I am I correct in this? Yes, you are I, correct. I've seen the I've seen the pictures. Are, are, are you in? You know, are you you're familiar with Wikiwachi? I'm sure being right there. So. I swim in Wikiwachi as a mermaid. So they actually do a summer camp and you have to be over 30 years old to do it. And it actually helps raise funds for the park itself. So it's called Friends of Wikiwachi. They put on Sirens of the Deep Camp. So what you do is you go there. It's a two-day camp. It's from eight to four, two days. You get to swim in Wikiwachi Springhead. So basically they're training you as a mermaid or 
you know, doing underwater ballet between all the shows that they have every day. And I've mermaided for, yeah, it's a, it's a verb, mermaided, mermaiding. It's amazing. It's free diving, but on like expert mode, as I like to call it, because you don't get a mask. <laughs> you don't, you just get to put on a beautiful smile. You got to relax your face. You got to relax your eyes. You swim super gracefully. Your legs are bound in like a tail skin with a monofin. You can only go so far. So all your movements count and your breath hold counts, but you also have to look like you're just having the time of your life. But it was the most amazing experience of my life. And one, it raises money for the organization that helps take care of Wikiwachi because it's now part of the Florida State Park System. And it's one of Florida's earlier tourist attractions from 1947. Fun fact. And um, just swimming in that spring head was so surreal. I've swam in so many springs, mermaiding or just free diving in general. And there was something about that spring head that just blew my mind because, well, here's the thing is, so it's a first magnitude spring and it pumps out over, you know, million gallons of water a day and you can swim to the cave entrance, but it's going to push you right back because, you know, the water fresh is so strong from the aquifer. But it was just so beautiful. And honestly, okay, so the coolest part, I'm the person that makes fun of all the people with their Bluetooth speakers on paddle boards and their kayaks. But listening to music underwater is next level. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because I'd never heard music underwater. Like, as a kid, you know, you pretend to be a mermaid in the pool. But then listening to, I, I realized, like, how the performers lip sync now is because they can hear the music underwater. And they now they're doing this whole Halloween special and it's actually based on stranger things. And I remember when I was doing my training, I I jumped in the water really quick and I really ticked off my counselor and all the counselors are the original wiki watching mermaids, which is amazing. But I jumped in there because I got so excited because I heard Kate Bush running up that hill. So I just jumped right in the water. (laughs) And the thing with like, at least me, I'm listening to this music underwater and I just completely forget about my breath hold. I'm just swimming and you're just enjoying yourself and it's so surreal and it's so beautiful. And you think, wow, this is actually what dreams are made out of. I mean, unless you have like philosophobia because it's pretty spooky if you're afraid of like deep water with weird caves and things like that. But it was amazing. But all the women that volunteer their time to train you to mermaid or to do underwater ballet. And I remember the lady that I was paired up with and she had me do basic swims and I've done the mermaiding thing for a year and the highest compliment I've ever received in my life was being told by the OG wiki watching mermaids that my mermaiding was beautiful and I was like well I'm just gonna go home and cry now thank you my life has been made I've accomplished everything (laughs) that is amazing and so much fun I'm including the show notes the website and stuff for wiki watching and things like that so you can look into that and go see the shows and go see the stranger things Mark, you got to check that out. And I got to check that. That's going on the list. That's going on the bucket list while I'm down there for uh, October. Oh, heck yes. And then, um, you always go to Wikiwachi because, uh, you know, Riku, Riku Browning, the, the, he was the last of the universal monsters. He did the the underwater parts as the creature and he trained at Wikiwachi and he trained a lot of the mermaids. So, you know, this is your, your third gen. You're the creature from the Black Lagoon's granddaughter. So there you go. I, I like that. I like yes. that. Okay. So look, we've gotten travels in our travelers episode. Yeah. yeah. A place you can go visit. You got two places you can go visit. So. So 
Chris Lynn, if we're going to put this all in the show notes, but if somebody wants to reach out to you at the house, what is the best way to do that? Besides do not, this is again, do not show up at this house without previously coordinating it. If you do, it's Florida, there's guns. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> so, um, Second how, Amendment, baby. That's all that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, Crystal, how do people um, so, reach out to you, though, if they want to come see the Wonder House? So the best way to reach out is actually just to go online to wonderhousebarto.com. That's the website. It has all the information on the website. Um, you can click through there and go to the booking site, which is bookio.com slash wonderhousebarto. But it already, you just click book a tour. And so I have all my Halloween tours listed on there. Christmas tours begin on uh, November 1st. So okay, I do, I do, they do a, over. You do a hell of a Christmas show too. So it's that's okay. So Halloween is a lifestyle, but I like the Christmas tours because I bake for some of the night tours. So oh. Christmas tours usually start f- uh, the Black Friday, like right after Thanksgiving. So I, cause I usually do like a camping trip before then to get my brain in the right situation. I usually try to go diving like every single day. So I'm like, all right. Cause it's, I work so much this holiday season. I don't really get any breaks. So I try to take a small one so I can kind of read, recollect my thoughts and feelings about life. Um, but Christmas is beautiful because again, I make some old wine. There's Kringles or sugared um, cranberries. I do the whole shebang. Um, the house looks like a whole gingerbread house on the outside. Everything is lit up from top to bottom. So, I mean, it's a really, really magical time to come. If you don't like Halloween, then come for Christmas. But Halloween, it only it's only one month. I can't do Halloween for, you know, two months. So it's only October 1st to, I want to say, like the 29th, 30th. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, this has been exciting. I didn't even know about the Wonder House. So Very cool. Dates open up on the 1st. We'll get people to go online to, uh, they'll have already been open, gang. So get out there. Get onto the website and you know you know book those tours because they're going to be gone before you know it. Uh, you know, Krizlin always you know puts on one amazing show and we love it dearly. And I love the Wonder House. We 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 love you dearly. Thank you so much for coming on. So yes, yes, and we will. Um, we're getting the friends of the Erie Travels on the website, so the Wonder House will be listed up there so that you can. In the future, click on it and find her and do all that. So, Crystal, we'll have to have you back sometime in the future about more of the adventures. I love it. I love it. So, there, are, there is no um, limit to the adventures. Yeah, yes. exactly. Exactly. Well, part of our eerie travels is next time I'm down there with Mark, we're going to have to figure out a way to come stop by, maybe, maybe over a a Christmas or something. Anyway, I'm gonna have to come see it during I, the I, day. I'm, and like I said, I'm I'm interested in that that ghost tour. So you know, let me know when, because uh, uh, I don't think I've ever seen the fourth floor. So um, I'm excited. So okay, well, th- I'm not going to that. Yeah. We all know that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Mark? with that, travelers, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful excursion to Bartow, Florida, and the Wonder House. And book your tours now. And as always, like, share, subscribe, let your friends know about us. And uh, we we hope you're enjoying spooky season this October. We have much more to talk about in the future. So stay tuned for future episodes. And we will see you on the other side.